Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United WeCast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon, or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. I never realized Clippers fans could be so sentimental. I mean, it takes a person with particularly deep reservoirs of emotional resilience to be one, so maybe it isn't all that surprising, but Still, I was impressed with the eulogies extolled on behalf of Patrick Beverly after reports that he is being traded to the Memphis Grizzlies along with Rajon Rondo and six foot eight, seldom used rookie center Daniel Aturu. That is what this entire podcast, this episode, is going to be about. The deal that the Clippers made in moving Pat Bev, uh, as some would say, the heart and soul of this Clippers team for the last few years. Beverly was given credit and thanked for transforming the Clippers culture with his brash, snarling, junkyard, underdog demeanor after coming over from the Houston Rockets along with half of the Rockets roster, including Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams for Chris Paul. I get why Pat Bev found a place in Clippers fans' flagellated hearts. If any player has ever embodied the stubborn spirit and unwarranted confidence required to believe in LA's other franchise, it was him. Who has the audacity to tell a two-time league MVP, Steph Curry, after scoring five points in the 2019-20 season opener for the Golden State Warriors, 
The Clippers having had their season opener two nights earlier, beating the Lakers despite Pat Bev going one for seven for two points. Who has the audacity to say to Steph, you had the last five years, the next five years are mine? Well, Pat Beverly did. And not to say the appreciation for him was unwarranted. Yes, Pat, Pat Bev missed six of his seven shots in that season opener against the Lakers, but he also grabbed 10 rebounds and had six assists, which is not bad for a six foot one, 180 pound point guard with no particular vertical lift. And while he had only five points against the Warriors, he also had five steals while annoying the bleep out of Steph all over the floor. Steph had 23 points that night, but needed 20 shots to get them, and he had twice as many turnovers, eight as assists. Bev had a big hand in that. What Pat Bev lacked in skills, he more than made up for in effort, along with a healthy helping of attitude. He was proud to be a Clipper, and he was proud to rep Clippers fans. And he said all that with both his play and his chest. I've actually never been more impressed with Beverly than I was in this year's playoffs. When he went from a starter to out of the rotation to back into the rotation to starting again. He handled it like an absolute pro. The effort and energy he played with never dipped. Nor did his confidence in taking and making big shots. He came off the bench to nail three out of four threes as the Clippers completed their upset of the Utah Jazz to get to the conference finals. And then he found his way back into the starting lineup in the Western Conference Finals against the Phoenix Suns as Ty Lue tried to patch the hole left by Kawhi Leonard's absence. Pat will be best remembered, perhaps, for shoving Chris Paul to the floor from behind in the final minutes of Game 6. You can miss me on vilifying Pat Bev for losing his composure. The Suns were dragging the Clippers in that closeout game, eventually winning by 27. Chris Paul hit a three and then said something undoubtedly derogatory or at the very least dismissive to Pat Bev over his shoulder and kept walking. This is known as pouring salt in an open wound. If CP3 didn't think there was a possibility Pat Bev would retaliate, well, he had to know Pat Bev would retaliate. All that said, the deal the Clippers made with Memphis is a deal they had to make for several reasons. Let's start with their roster crunch. They had to downsize with 16 guaranteed contracts and a league maximum of 15 roster spots. I saw some speculation that Serge Ibaka could be moved instead of Pat Bev, but that wasn't realistic with Ibaka coming off back surgery. No one's trading for him until they see him on the court again. Then there's the luxury tax bill. By re-signing Reggie Jackson to a two-year $21 million deal, which I think is a deal, and Nick Batum to a one-year $3 million contract, which is also a deal, the Clippers were looking at a luxury tax bill of $125 million. Now, I would not let, have let go either one of them in order to keep Pat Bev or Rajan Rondo, just to be clear. Both of them played huge roles 
in the Clippers getting to the conference finals and pushing the Suns to six games without Kawhi Leonard. And by the end, without Avica Zubac. And of course, without Serge Ibaka. Now, I'm going to take Bobby Marks of ESPN's word for the move saving the Clippers $30 million. All I know is they're unloading about $6 million more in salary than they're taking in. And they're creating an extra roster spot. Now, some fans might be quick to question why a multi-billionaire owner such as Steve Ballmer should worry about saving $30 million, which is, to the average cat out there, probably this equivalent of, I don't know, 300 bucks. But it ignores the fact that men don't become billionaires casually dropping $30 million losses, even if they can afford it, if they're not necessary. And this one isn't. Aside from the aforementioned roster crunch resolution, this deal makes basketball sense. Pat Bev is scheduled to make $14 million next season. He's nowhere close to being a $14 million player these days, even with the extra credit for attitude and culture. If I remember correctly, the Clippers didn't really put the screws to Phoenix defensively until they moved Nick Batum and Terrence Mann onto Chris Ball. Pat Bev is a smaller version of P.J. Tucker these days. Both were overlooked when they truly punched above their weight and deserved all defense honors for their tenacity alone. But the day-late dollar-short crowd is trying to make it up to them now, and it's simply too late. I thought Rajon Rondo was going to be an important piece for the Clippers, but he never transformed himself into playoff Rondo. I suspect the expiration date finally has arrived on Rondo's ability to be anything more than a mentor and spot duty contributor, which I could see him doing for John Morant and the Grizzlies. It doesn't hurt that he'd be playing for the NBA franchise closest to his home, Louisville, either. I don't know whether Memphis is going to keep Rondo or Pat Bev. I would suspect it's a matter of what's the market out there for one of those two. I can't see them both staying in Memphis. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And while Pat Bev was the ultimate good soldier in the postseason for the Clippers, there's a legitimate question as to whether he'd be okay being yo-yoed in and out of the rotation all season, which is what he was headed for. Reggie Jackson clearly established himself as the team's starting point guard, spacing the floor for Paul George as their primary playmaker. Pat Bev, because of his size, is just not the same threat attacking the rim and doesn't have the range of Jackson. If Serge Ibaka is back in the mix, then that leaves Nick Batum available to be a perimeter defender, and 
his versatility and what he demonstrated during the playoffs, I'd be going to him to stop, whether it's inside or outside. I'd be going to him ahead of Pat Bev at this point. Bev also has to be towing the line and left open. Otherwise, he's smart enough not to even attempt a three. But sometimes there is no choice. A three must be attempted. So Reggie Jackson clearly establishing himself as the team's starting point guard and thereby being able to space the floor for Paul George as their primary playmaker. Nick Batum has the size and ability to knock down threes. It's just a matter of Pat Bev being squeezed out. There were other pieces that can do what he does and do them better at this stage of the Clippers' evolution. But why Bledsoe, you might ask? Couldn't they have done better than that? Even though he's a year younger than Pat Bev, doesn't he appear to be on the decline as well? Look, I've long thought Bledsoe was overrated. He's a scoring point guard with a career average of 14 points over 11 seasons. He can defend. I never bought into him being the standout defender or an all-defensive Uh, level defender but he's not bad and he certainly in any case he certainly didn't bring it in New Orleans last year the Bucks made a major upgrade moving him and then bringing in Drew Holiday on multiple levels it was addition by addition and subtraction on that one he doesn't add any warmth or fuzziness to a locker room he's not a mentor he's not a leader But this is why I'm willing to reserve judgment on whether this will work for the Clippers. A New Orleans source told me that he had a tough go of it last year. Bledsoe did. Because of some distractions going on in his personal life. I didn't get details, nor am I sure I would share them if I did. But my understanding is that if they haven't been resolved, being back in L.A. where he started his career with the Clippers and from my knowledge, maintains a residence or has continued to live there during the offseason, will go a long way toward easing those issues. Now, I'm sorry to be vague, but I don't have the details exactly nailed down, and I don't want to be the spreader of rumors, especially when it's something personal. So, there's a chance that Bledsoe returns to the level he provided for the Bucks prior to being dealt to the Pelicans for holiday which is more than the Clippers could have hoped to get out of Pat Bev and Rondo combined next season. As for the chemistry question, and that's probably my greatest issue, there are a couple of reasons to believe, A, Bledsoe will be the best version of himself, and B, the Clippers are capable of keeping him from creating a toxic spill. Remember how good Julius Randle was last season for the Knicks? One reason is that he only had a partially guaranteed contract for this season. He had the best year of his career last season and got a new deal. Bledsoe is undoubtedly looking for the same thing. The last time he was looking for an extension in Milwaukee, he shot a career-high 48% in the field and had his best assist turnover ratio. I've noted this before, but I will again. And this is B. The Clippers were not the same old Clippers last season. The moves they made, bringing in Serge Ibaka and Luke Kennard, 
elevating Terrence Mann's role and allowing Jackson to settle in and swapping Ty Lue for Doc Rivers' as coach created a more poised team-first culture. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard getting taken a few notch, taken down a few notches in the bubble didn't hurt either. Let's put it this way. If they were adding Bledsoe to a team with Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, and Pat Bev, I'd be far more worried about it working. as just too many Cowboys in one rodeo. Now, another important element and why I may see this deal working out for the Clippers competitively as well as financially, even though many don't, is that I expect the Clippers to be good even without Kawhi Leonard as he recovers from ACL surgery. Nor am I as pessimistic that he's going to sit out the entire season. I would imagine that depends, at least in part, on if I'm right about the Clips still being among the top five teams in the Western Conference without him. If he can return in February or March, giving him at least six weeks before the playoffs start, and the Clippers are poised to be in the mix as much as they were this past season, I'd expect him to play. There's this image of Kawhi as a guy who is only mildly interested in competing and is more interested in preserving his body, and I'm just not sure that's fair or accurate. I get where it comes from, but my sense is that he has gone about protecting his body during the regular season in order to compete for another title. That he would pass on the chance to compete for one if the Clippers provide the avenue doesn't fit. This isn't Kevin Durant a year ago with the Nets in the bubble. One, an Achilles is a whole lot different than an ACL. Coming back off an Achilles tear is still relatively new territory, whereas repairing ACLs is practically as routine as an oil and filter change for a car. And the Nets clearly were simply playing out the string in the bubble playing under an interim head coach with a roster that was sure to be overhauled for the following season. It made practical sense for KD to give his Achilles extra time, even if he could have technically been available. My point is this. Anyone worried about Bledsoe's playoff failures? Well, if all goes right, he'll just be needed to contribute during the regular season while Leonard is out. And again, if you're looking for some scoring punch, and the Clippers were, having finished 10th in the league in points scored with Kawhi last season, Bledsoe is more capable of giving you that than Pat Bev or Rondo at this stage of their careers. And defensively, the two simply weren't what they once were. I don't know if the move will work out. I just know it was worth trying, because standing Pat was not an option. And even if it was, even if they didn't need to create a roster spot, I just don't believe standing Pat was the answer. Not unless you believe that Pat Bev would be happy all year long being in and out out of the rotation and Rondo would recapture his form we last saw with the Lakers in the bubble. And I don't believe either of those things were realistic. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes 
or wherever you get your podcasts. We could go a couple of different directions in the next episode. If there is any new intel that I can share on Ben Simmons' next locale, we may do that. Or look at, outside of the Cade Cunninghams and the Jalen Greens, who are the dark horses to be rookies that can make an impact this season based on what we've seen in Summer League thus far? And then, of course, the other side of the equation on this Clippers-Grizzlies trade. If you've heard me talk about the Grizzlies, I believe that they have a chance to be one of the surprise teams next year. Exactly how high could they possibly fly? That also will be a subject in, in an upcoming episode. May even be the next one. We shall see. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.